Hello and welcome to the Side Netting Podcast, the place with just all the latest goings on in the world of football, play a couple of games and almost definitely go off on a tangent or two. I'm Connor Burke and I'm joined as always by my friend, my cousin, but most importantly, my co-host, Kieran Burke. Kieran, how are we going? Good evening to you, my good, good sir. Um, we're going, we're going pretty well. We're going pretty well. Can't, can't complain too much, as I say every week. But yeah, we're we're all good. How about yourself? I will always take that as a wimpo. Yeah, we're all ticking along with me. As we'll, I'm sure we'll mention a great weekend for Arsenal. Beautiful stuff. If you if you're someone that cares about such things, I guess a decent weekend if you're a Liverpool fan after the League Cup at the weekend. Uh, one nil extra time win, De, Br- De Bruyne, no, Van Dijk even, <laughs> a different double-barrelled fella. Van Dijk right at the end of the extra time with a winner in that game against Chelsea. Did you catch the game at all, kids? I did, I did. It was, a. Uh, you know what, it's one of the better nil-nils I think you'd see. Um, one of the better Chelsea-Liverpool games. Yeah, true. And it still ended up being nil-nil, which is quite <laughs> funny. Um I think we both predicted Liverpool and penalties, yeah, obviously. Went far it, nearly, off at all. it nearly got to that point, but not quite in the end. Yeah, Chelsea will obviously be ruined those missed opportunities. Kelleher had a had a very good game as well, so he's uh covered himself in glory and Gary perhaps... Neville with the call of his career. Oh. The blue billion pound <laughs> bottle jobs. <laughs> That's going to stick, isn't it? Oh, it's beautiful. It's... I've, I've seen Carragher saying We're... that that will stick until yeah. they win something. So. Oh, 100%. We've never been his biggest fan on it. Or we, we go up and down, I think it's fair to say, on Neville. But that was an excellent yeah. call from him. That's the thing. Like That sort of Drury-esque commentary works every now and then. And that's... I don't... To sort of go on a little classic tangent. I don't know if you've seen a lot of the backlash against Drury across the season that wasn't there before. And I'm convinced that's because we're only exposed to drawing sort of little bursts. Yeah. And that's how his commentary works best, his little bursts. Now it's all the time. Like, yeah. mate, you cannot put this sort of poetic commentary on Wolves against Fulham. <laughs> it's <sad>. just... Burnley <laughs> have scored a header from two yards <laughs> out. It's, it just doesn't hit the same, boss. The turf more titus, <laughs> mate, boss. <laughs> Might be a job for you going there. You and Drury. I'm his writer, poetry. <laughs> You're his ghostwriter. <laughs> But yeah, on, on the commentary note, the big sort of driving factor is an extra time. Well, and has been the story after. It's been like Klopp's kids, Klopp's kids, these children, these 12-year-olds that Klopp's had running around <laughs> against Chelsea's experienced older side. And the stats just don't back that up. Yeah, it is but quite I, funny. That's I the did look at, that's yeah, been pushed. I did look at something today and the starting age for the Liverpool team was 25.8 and at the end of the game it was 24.1 and then for Chelsea the average age of the starting 11 was 23.9 and the end of the match was 22.6 and I understand sort of the point is more experience and the cost of the teams but to paint it as an age thing is just blatantly untrue yeah it's not an age thing but I think it's narrative for narrative's sake yeah it's the narrative but you know, it does come down to money spent at the end of the day because yeah. Chelsea do have those younger players. The but... billion pound bottle job works a lot more. Oh, it it's a, that narrative is a lot more true. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. Like Chelsea, maybe they've got roughly the same age players or they've got young players as well. But 
you know, when, when you're paying a hundred million for it, exactly. it's, it's not quite the same. It's a very comparison. yeah. That's that's the real narrative. It's not an age thing. It's a experience. It's a cost. There's a another narrative there that is maybe even a lot more of an interesting narrative to go down than just saying young team win. Like, uh. I, I did see some interesting stuff as well about the whole myth of homegrown Liverpool. Because yes. um, there was an account on Twitter, I can't remember the name, but he's like mainly focuses on non-league football. And obviously there's all the kind of stuff around um, the big Premier League clubs poaching academy players from younger teams for next to no money um, due to the rules around that. And it was going through that picture of the, the Liverpool team with the, the young homegrown guys and Trent's in it as well and they were showing you know paid x amount for this guy when he was 16 from wherever so I I mean still I mean we're not trying to (laughs) it sounds like we're just trying to piss on the parade at the minute but it's it's an interesting way like the narrative gets painted they've all been at Liverpool Academy since the age of two and they didn't cost anything two things can be true at the same time that they are academy players. They're not homegrown. They're players, as you say, they've been poached. Yeah. And it was a big achievement for those kind of players that haven't played much against the supposed stature of this Chelsea team to go through and win it yeah. in extra time. Like that, Both things can be true at the same time. Yeah, exactly. But just focusing on the football as well, like Chelsea should have felt they... they would have felt they should have won that game. Yeah, 100%. When you just look purely on paper, the players that came on for Liverpool, as we're talking about experience here, yeah, um, not kind of saying they're not good players, but when you look at the experience and the depth that Chelsea had compared to Liverpool, they'll be massively disappointed. Oh, 100%. They'll be, they'll be fuming about that. But you could also say that if Liverpool would have lost, they would have been fuming about that after that disallowed goal that was yeah. that happened earlier. And also with Van Dijk, Hedda, and if Jamie Carragher's going to try and make it about Arsenal, Kiers, why can't we make it about Arsenal? Because the thing that's been most seen over the last couple of days since that game hasn't been the fact that Liverpool won, has barely been the fact that it was the kids that won it. It was that disallowed goal that didn't end up even mattering where Endo was in an offside position. So Endo was offside, Liverpool fans. He blocked from an offside position. And then an onside player in Van Dyke scored. This is nothing to do with how Arsenal are on set pieces. Keep my wife's name out <laughs> your mouth. All right, well, <laughs> it is it is so true though, isn't it? Because it, like taking an isolated screenshot, obviously referring to the bits on Twitter that Carragher's got his knickers in a twist over and retweeting bits. But when you actually look at it, before when as the ball's kicked, all the Arsenal players are on side from that particular yeah. set piece he's focusing on anyway. So the whole agenda he's trying to push is just quite funny. And I think it's fair to say Carragher is well and truly rattled by I, Arsenal at the moment, and I love it. He his head loss is unreal. If we win the league, I think he may actually cry on live television and I'd be, be fully beautiful. here for it. And yes, we say if we win the league, the title race is starting to really get going. 12 games left, Kiers. Liverpool on 60 points. Man City on 59 points. Arsenal on 58. And the other thing I looked at recently is of these 12 games left, the average points of their opponents, the average points of Liverpool's opponents, 36.7. The average points of Man City's opponents, 40.1. And the average points of Arsenal's opponents, 35.4. Okay. 
So interesting. Man City definitely were the hardest running in theory there. Yeah, I, I do think that obviously the fact that City have to play Arsenal and Liverpool does skew that a little bit. Yeah. And we know City, when it comes down to it, are good in the big game. So I think for City, if they do manage to beat Arsenal and Liverpool, they'll really fancy themselves. Yeah, I think. definitely. That's... It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't come down to two games at the end of the day. You still got to do the business elsewhere. But I think City huge, will though. be thinking. Yeah, if they because... get six from six in those two games, yeah. that is massive. Especially as they're both fairly close together as well. Like if City come out of March, obviously we play them end of March. If they come out of March, winning all games they've got from now until then, I think it's hard to see past them. So. A big month coming up in the title oh, a huge, race. A huge one. And the team, really, that could have the most impact on the title race outside of those involved is Tottenham. Yeah. Because you've got three weeks in a row there. Yeah. The the weekend of the 20th of April, the weekend of the 27th of April, and the weekend of the 4th of May is Man City against Tottenham, Arsenal against Tottenham, Liverpool against Tottenham. Spurs could be having their say on who, who wins the title. I'm going to have to give myself a thorough scrub down after Shearer and Spurs for, <laughs> for two weeks on the trot. Two out of th- it's going to be absolute whiplash as well with us playing them in the middle. I know. I'd, yeah. Not a thought that doesn't really appeal to me too much, but I mean, the no. game's the game. If we win their, the league from it, then... Their record against against City, their recent shithousery against Liverpool, if that can be replicated and then them being terrible against us in the middle, we'd be all over that. That would be beautiful. That would be beautiful. Yeah, Spurs Spurs City, they always seem to to do well against them. So Always a cracker as well. It is always a cracker. So, fingers crossed. Yeah. But yeah, big big few months coming up and it's yeah. exciting times as well. Yeah. What do you think are going to be the biggest narratives, the biggest stories, the biggest proponents of who actually wins the league over these next 12 games? What do you think are the biggest talking points when it comes to the title race with 12 games to go? I feel like it's all down to who can keep their heads and not get overly emotional. I think a big thing said about Arsenal last season was yeah. we pro- like every game felt like a final for the last like 15 games. And in the end, it just wasn't sustainable, really. So it's who yeah, can keep a level true. head, get to those sort of last five games. Then you're like, right, every game's a final. But I think we just got... It was literally January last season and we were feeling like that. You know, we go back to the Bournemouth game and we're talking about United. It obviously complete different scales, but, you know, we said about United results not being sustainable where they're nicking late goals or they're relying on a moment of brilliance. I think Arsenal were getting towards that sort of pattern. Yeah, that's the... Last season. Definitely. That's maybe the big difference between last season and this season is this season, we do just seem to be peaking at the right time. Like, that January period was sort of maybe the tail end of our real peak. Yeah. Whereas this season, we've sort of been solid and kept ourselves in and amongst it that first third of the season. There was that patch over Christmas where it seemed to slip. And then Visit Dubai FC have come back <laughs> and we really seem to be... I think the next month will really tell you. We only yeah. play a couple of games, but they're big games. So that will really tell you where we are. But it does feel like we are starting to peak at the right time. That's what we said about City and Seasons Gone is they really kicked on at this sort of January to May patch of the season. That's when they came into their own. And yeah. we had a conversation recently, didn't we, kids? Where did they peak too early starting sort of a month before that? And I think that will come home to roost in one way or another 
over the next couple of months. Yeah, I, th- I think the importance as well of winning games comfortably is a massive thing. Like you look at Arsenal fall on the Newcastle without really having to, it never really looked like we had to go past kind of gear two. Whereas City, they're scraping a 1-0 at Bournemouth. They're scraping a 1-0 v Brentford the other week. So as you say, it's, you know, maybe they're getting into that stage a bit too early and it's going to end up there. They're going to drop a few points. So be interesting to see how it pans out. Yeah, looking at all three teams, it does feel like, sort of what I've been saying all along, really, it does feel like if anyone's going to drop off, it feels like it's going to be City. Whether it is or not, it's football. Who knows? But just watching teams week in, week out, City just feel like they've been subpar to average for about a month now, three three weeks. Yeah, that's what worries me though, because they're still second, <laughs> a point off top, and yeah. then you're just waiting. Well, they're for getting them to yeah, they're getting results, life. and yeah, maybe it is similar to what we said about United. They're getting results. How much can that last? When you're City, it probably could last <laughs> yeah. to May in theory. Yeah. You don't you don't yeah. know, but Liverpool are the team I'm more worried about, and I've said this basically since like December November time. They're the team I'm more worried about in this whole process. But we'll see how it goes. The other side of Merseyside, though, had a, a positive in the last couple of days, Kiers, with Everton, their 10-point ten deduction got reduced to six, which has bumped them up to 15th in the league. They're now five points safe. Huge, yeah. potentially, in the relegation battle for this season. Big for them. Big for them. Well, you do wonder whether... It's just the precursor to a follow a, another six point deduction to come with obviously yeah, the second one looming over them and obviously Forest in a similar boat as well, I believe. Um yeah, that all, so. that one it has until the eighth of April for that to be firmed out, and then they have until the week after the season to appeal it. So we might really go into the summer not knowing who's relegated. Yeah, strange. I, I think for the sake of football you want that sorted before the end of the season. I know oh, Everton definitely. might think, oh, if we can delay it, we'll just start next season with another deduction. But I think for the fairness of the league and just making sure it's all sorted out, yeah, you know, it's perhaps laughable saying the fairness of the league when City have 115 <laughs> charges looming over them and, and no action. So they've got great lawyers, done bro. As it's, yet. It's well, about... there you go. Everton, get your bread up and get some better lawyers. In Call place. in Saul and you'll be absolutely <laughs> flying. Right? If if uh, Better Call Saul is not the most watched Netflix show in Merseyside, well, <laughs> particularly the blue half in the next few months. It's not what you know, it's wrong. who you know, and that's where everything's going wrong. But to be fair, the Scousers can blag can blag their way out of situation. <laughs> so I fully back well, them to end up with yeah. zero point deduction. I was going to say they blagged their way down to six, and yeah. sort of what what they were saying in the the meeting or the announcement, I should say is that Everton were accused of being less than frank and basically dishonest and unopen in the process. And the big thing, and the reason it got changed to six, was they disagreed with that. And previously, Sheffield Wednesday, the last point deduction, they got a six-point point deduction for a very similar thing. And so between the two things, the Premier League was saying that this is what the case really merits rather than the ten that's gone to the six. But as you say their kids... There might be another six incoming. We don't know. Along with Nottingham Forest, so not quite through the woods yet. But they have a game this weekend. We'll leave that on to the predictions, Kiers, where we'll start off with Everton against West Ham, who had a big win themselves on Monday night. Needed. Needed win for West Ham there. They were really going through a, a rough patch of form. Obviously beating Brentford in the M4-2. Bowen with a little hat-trick as well, so... 
he'll be delighted with that. I think we've said said previously, I think Goodison's always a tough place to go. They're yep. a very compact team, hard to break down. I think, obviously, they've pr- proven that fact weekend just gone, getting a, a good point at Brighton, obviously very unlucky in the end to, well... Either unlucky or they threw it away. I'll, I'll let uh, I'll let Everton fans decide that one. But obviously, with that one all draw against Brighton, ninety fifth minute equaliser for Brighton. So they'll be gutted they didn't pick up all three. But yeah, I think Everton are just a solid team, hard to break down. So I have gone one all in that one. Um, I just think with Everton being at home, West Ham obviously picking up that win, which was great for them. But I think it's a it's a bit tougher to break down. And Everton this season, despite where they are in the league. So one all for me. Yeah, I can understand that. I have sort of gone very similar reasoning, except for I've gone two one to Everton. I think just missing out on that win last weekend, the news that's come through about the points deduction recently, all of that sort of combined together with being at home, I can just see Goodison really being up for this one, and I think a two one Everton win will. Be the end result. But as you mentioned there, kids, it'll be a tight game. West Ham finally with a win on the board after not getting any wins since they beat Arsenal at the end of 2023. And Everton are no win in nine. Their last win was on the 16th of December when they beat Burnley 2-0. So they're going to be wanting to get a win on the board, especially after this news last week, and really make the, the four-point reduction worth the battle down at the bottom there. Another team, though, in the battle at the bottom will move across to Nottingham Forest, who are hosting Liverpool this weekend. What do you yeah. reckon, Kiz? Hard, hard to see past anything other than a Liverpool win, really, isn't it? As much as I've, I, I feel like I've gone a bit too optimistic against Liverpool <laughs> in the last few weeks, and I think my prediction scores have uh, have shown that fact. Obviously, Forest battled back fairly well against Villa. Slightly, just they they couldn't pull it back to three all in the end, and then obviously yeah, they had chances and just didn't take. They them did to level it they up, did. and then Villa killed the game off. Yeah. It's a good good little game that one actually. Um, but obviously Villa, their their bit of extra quality showed in the end. But I think Forest followed suit on what's been the case about them all season. They can score goals, but they're just far too open at the back. Yeah, hundred percent, definitely. So I think that's been their major problem, and if they do want to stay up, obviously they're. They're right down there at the minute, and we we mentioned about potential deduct points deduction for them as well. I think they really need to start picking some points up to try and cover their backs. So they're going to need to to shore things up a little bit, I think. And obviously, Luton do have that game in hand still. So if they do manage to win that, they're only a point off Forest. So saying all that, I think Liverpool, the class they have in that squad, I know they've got a few injuries at the minute as well, but. High on confidence after that cup win on the weekend. And I've got 4-1 Liverpool. I just think they're going to be far too much for Forrest. Yeah, I've basically sort of on board with that. I've gone 3-1, but what you said is true. They have got injuries, potentially a couple of those coming back this weekend. We'll see. But Salah maybe, maybe Sabozlai. See what the week brings in that regard. But Gravenberch, who we didn't mention, added to the injury list off after the League Cup final. Endo the same. The injury's starting to mount up for Liverpool a bit, but at least they've got a couple coming back. And I just tell you what, Nunes didn't look injured when he when he <laughs> when flew he... off that bench <laughs> and he was running. Maybe his his back this weekend is he's put himself on the team with that sprint on <laughs> yeah. onto the pitch. 
But He's yeah, For- Forest, another team as well, Kiz, with a poor record in 24. They've got one win out of six this calendar year. Mm. And I can just see Liverpool adding to that. I've got 3-1 Liverpool there myself. And to sort of complete the trio there of the relegation battling teams, we've got Luton against Aston Villa on Saturday evening. I've gone perhaps slightly against the form guide on this one. I've gone 3-2 Luton, actually, really? for this one. I just think, watching the highlights back from that Villa game, that high line, Forrest were able to get at them so easily. And I think Luton, the pressure they put on you at Kenilworth Road, I mean, we experienced it ourselves when we scraped that 4-3 win earlier in the season and other yeah. big teams have gone there, had a very similar experience you know, usually scraping through with a win. But I just think Villa are not going to get away with giving that many opportunities away, especially when the grounds feels like it's on top of you. And, you know, with Luton, if you go a goal or so behind, you're really up against it. Um, They just do not give you a minute to breathe. And I think that's one thing you say against that Luton side that you probably wouldn't say about any other side down there, your Burnleys, your Sheffield United, even your Forests, that, that's one thing Luton have that the others don't, that kind of fight where they're never losing games through lack of effort because they don't want it as much as the other team. It's just that slight gap in quality. So, yeah, I, I think Villa, of course, Watkins bang on form again. Bailey's looking good. Douglas Louise obviously scoring a brace at the weekend, much to my annoyance with with <laughs> with ev- everyone in the mini-league bar me having him in FPL. But, yeah, I just think... I can just see a little upset there for Luton. I think they're due due a result like that based on performances. And I just think Villa riding their luck slightly with with that super high line they love to play under Emery. So I think there's definitely goals in it. But as I said, I've I've gone 3-2 Luton. I can just see them edging it slightly. Yeah, well, I can see the argument there 100%, especially with it being at Kenilworth Road, as you mentioned. It's been a mad place to go this season and... The more I watch Luton, I know I mentioned this recently, the more I do want them to stay up. So if they're going to nick some points off of Villa, I wouldn't be against that. But I have gone 3-1 Villa myself, I think. You mentioned him there, Douglas Louise, along with Ollie Watkins, uh, starting to get a real good run of form again at the start of this year. You've got, between the two of them, six, uh, eight goals, sorry, eight goals and five assists between the two in the last five games. It's something that could be very dangerous for that Luton team. And another team, Kiz, with only one win in 2024. Sort of a big link here between those teams at the bottom end of the season, bottom end of the table, sorry, as they started this calendar year so poorly. And that could be a big issue. And they've got to start getting points on the board. And maybe they'll use that Everton points reduction as motivation going into this run-in for relegation. I have gone 3-1 myself, but you've almost convinced me there (laughs) with... I sold a good story. Anyway. You sold a good story for Luton Dog, but we'll see what happens. And we'll move on to Sunday now, Kiers. And we're back to the top of the table battle. Man City and Man United. The Manchester Derby, 3.30 on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, the current... <laughs> we, we I think we spoke about United a lot recently, so I won't go too much on United, but just the fact... Well, Very we can take cool. a quick victory lap, kids. <laughs> we can take a victory lap. Because how often do we say, and you mentioned it earlier, how long are those results going to last when you're playing that poorly? Yeah. Q, Fulham wins 2-1 at Old Trafford. It's like we Beautiful set it up stuff. ourselves. I love the shithousery from the Fulham admin all week as well about the theatre of dreams. 
Um, beautiful stuff. And the funny thing is, they could have nicked a two-one win, and it would have been true United fashion. I think yeah. once they pulled it back to one, or everyone sort of thought, "Oh, here we go again." They'll steal another one, but I think Hoyland's a big miss for them. Rashford didn't really look to offer much at all through the middle. Um, yeah. So not back to the end of the month either, Hoyland. Yep, and despite obviously City perhaps scraping through, I think it's fair to say v Bournemouth. We were obviously watching the bulk of that game, and I think Bournemouth were probably the better team um, towards the end. Had a lot of chances, just couldn't couldn't quite get that equaliser. So I I do think despite City's recent performances, they'll be bang up for it. Manchester yeah. derby, they're at home. If, like, if it was at Old Trafford, they typically turn up have... for a Manchester derby yeah. as well, don't they? Yeah, if it was at Old Trafford, I might have thought about it slightly, but yeah, more. But I've gone, I've gone three-one City. Mm. I just think the quality will will shine through. Yeah, I I think this is going to be very much a a big momentum booster for City. I think this is going to be be one where they see their recent performances and how close these last few games that shouldn't be close at all have been and. I reckon they're going to go out and hammer this Man United team. I've got 4-1. So you've got 3-1 there, was that, Kiz? Yeah, 3-1 City. Yeah, I've got 4-1 myself. I, I don't see any hope for Man United. Their one hope is out injured in Hoyland. And other than that, unless Scott McTominay is going to come out of nowhere again, which <laughs> you, never, you never know. You never know. You never know, but I highly doubt. I have not much hope for this Man United team, even if I would like them to nick some points off City. I can't see it myself. Yeah, 4-1 for me. The last game, and I would say it's a, it's a relegation fighting team, but as we always say, it's stone bottom. It's the no-hopers. I don't know why I'm Do saying not this. Do say that. <laughs> why have you done that? I don't know. <laughs> one Sheffield United winning coming then. That's great. Uh, we, well, we know what should happen. Whether it does, we don't know. But they are terrible. Regardless of the result, they're still a terrible team. Sheffield United against Arsenal on Monday evening. What you got for me, Kiz? 1-0 Sheffield United. Nah, uh, <laughs> well, I'm hoping you've got a certain result you kept telling me was going to be the scoreline. For this <laughs> but I'll, I'll let you speak on that when it comes to you. Um, I've gone 5-0 Arsenal. I don't want to be too optimistic, but it's very hard to look at the two teams kick a ball and say anything else, really. Um, yeah. We've been so strong, so fluid in attack, so solid defensively, despite that obviously slightly annoying goal Newcastle scored. But I mean, mm. they got in behind, good crossing, good header. So can't always do too Big much about to Joe it. Willock. Big Joe Yeah, and it's going to be anyone, then it's got to be Joe Willock. You so had we'll to score that. in it, to quote Kaya Saka. <laughs> so we'll take that. It's a Hairland win. Hairland yeah. 5-0. But I just think... Yeah, it, it's very hard to see anything past a strong Arsenal win, but the the Arsenal fan inside of me always has that <laughs> niggling doubt that Monday yeah, light we, under the lights we're gonna yeah. get undone. And I but... did I did see a little bit of oh it's a Monday night game though it's a Monday night <laughs> game it's the same thing we say about the early kickoff on a Saturday and stuff, and yeah. we we do always say it as good as Arsenal are and have been and as terrible as Sheffield United, and as porous as Sheffield United have been, there is still that little thought in the back of your head of, yeah, but it's Arsenal. They could just steal a 1-0 win, though. We could fuck And it. that is the mental the mental health of dis- <laughs> of efficiency of Arsenal fans. And it's a terrible thing. And 
It's a real yeah. danger with it's this Arsenal team. And fear we live in. Yeah, and just say, kids, I I have been saying to you a very specific scoreline, and I'm a bit I I've bottled it. I can't lie oh, to you. Why? I have bottled, so I've been saying to Kieran, and I truly believe this that Arsenal should be winning this game ten nil. <laughs> Like if, Arsenal, if Arsenal don't win this game by a mere, bare minimum of 5 6 nil, it's a poor evening. I'm sorry, but this is... <laughs> Look how this far Sheff- we've come. This Sheffield United team is atrocious. There is... Yeah. A, I don't know if there is a redeeming quality about them. Ah, oh, they've signed Ben Burriton Diaz. Maybe him. He's a nice fella. But <laughs> other than that, there's not a redeeming quality about them. If Derby weren't so terrible that season... They'd have that record points total sold up because they are horrific. One of the worst teams I have seen in the Premier League in my life. And to be fair, Burnley are probably second in that, and we beat them 5 0 the other week. Do you know so, what's brilliant, though? If Forest I've and gone, Everton both got a deduction, they could still stay up. Oh, don't, nah. Oh, <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely. It'd have to be a terrible deduction. They, they'd have to, it'd have to be like 15 points for Sheffield United to stay up, kids. Come on now. Come on, now. They're so poor. I have bottled it, as I say, and I've gone three nil. Oh, but you've not only bottled it, but you've absolutely. I'm not finished yet. It. I'm not finished yet. The more I've spoken, the more I have changed myself around again, and I am gonna lock in, kids. Ten nil. <laughs> yes. If you get that spot on, by the way, I'm happy you just win the predictions for the rest. When of the I season. get that spot on. I, I'll do. I'll do the forfeit right right now. I feel. I feel. Now. Yeah. I feel this so strongly, kids. Watching Arsenal over the last month as point one. Watching the last month. Watching how every single member of that team has played. How terrific that team has played. They have been unbelievable against some solid. Look at what West Ham did this week. Some solid teams. Newcastle aren't a pushover by any means, and we've made them look like they are Sheffield United. Now we're playing actual Sheffield United. We should be walking that game 10-0. Can, can you and just repeat that scoreline for me? 10-0, 10-0, 10-0. I can't I, wait I to watch sound... back next week after a 1-0 <laughs> loss. You're going to look like the to... world's biggest cock. I don't want to sound <laughs> as arrogant as I am. And oh, I think Sheffield United are... They are the only team in the league, I think. this. I didn't think this before the Burnley game. I, I think I said 2-1 before the Burnley game. I said something close before the Burnley game. This is the only side where I would say this about. We should be winning 10-0. I just cannot wait for you to <laughs> give the biggest apology and on next week's pod. I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be the one to apologise. If it doesn't happen, then every single member of the Arsenal team should be apologising. We should be... Kiz, this isn't something that should be beyond the realms of expectation we should be hammering the ever-loving shit out of the Sheffield United team they're not good enough if we don't win by such a margin then that is if we win this even if we win this game 1-0 that's not good enough (laughs) I'm so times have changed mate and you know what I'm like when it comes to Arsenal I am mostly pessimistic but Sheffield United are fucking terrible (laughs) oh it could be interesting next week. That's all I'm going to say. That well, pe- that pessimism lives in me. Oh, the the thing is, I say all that. I'm still terrified we're going to lose. <laughs> we'll win ten nil. The only Arsenal fans could at ten nil. I'd still be scared. Like, we need we need we need one more just to firm. <laughs> we want eleven. We want eleven. <laughs> if Smith Rowe doesn't score out of the ten, then I'd rather lose. 
It's not good enough. As you say, kids, we will see what happens next week. And now I put that out into the atmosphere, I am even more terrified. If if Uh, this if this episode is scrubbed from the universe, it never happened. You never listened to it. And in the space of two minutes, we've just summed up why all all (laughs) other non-Arsenal fans absolutely hate (laughs) Arsenal fans. Oh, which, which which part of that though? The ten nil or still the underlying fear that we're going to lose? <laughs> we're going to win ten nil, but we're not sure we're going to win. <laughs> oh, oh, that's what they've stuff. done to us though. This club, this club, terrible. But as you say, kids, we will find out next week whether or not that has happened. And if there's not an episode next week, that might be a clue as to the result. <laughs> but that's all for the first half. With the predictions and all the latest news. Up next, we've got a second half. I'm going to be rolling out a couple of games. So in today's second half, as we mentioned previously, we're going to lay out a couple of games. So as we've said in many episodes and in the build-up to Christmas and after Christmas, we always do our games, which are points on the board for our special drinks episodes. We did one at Christmas, which I Lost enough to do a lovely dirty pint made for me by Kiers. This one is going to run until the end of the season and we'll do our end of season drink special there. So at the minute we have only done two games and it is a one-all scoreline on that. So we've got a couple of games to throw in for this week. And we're going to start off, Kiers, with Connor's Big Quiz. Oh, the long-awaited return of Connor's Big Quiz. They've been clamouring for it. I've had ones and ones of people (laughs) asking me to bring back the quiz. Did and all who three viewers message to ask you to bring it back, or was it just just a singular? It was two, but I think it was the same guy under two different names. Oh, so. He's got that burner account as well. But yeah, we've got the, the big quiz, and there's five questions, this quiz. So you've just got to get the majority right, kids. You've got to get three right, and it's a point on the board for you. Less than that, and it's a point on the board for me. There are a couple of tricky questions in here, I can't lie to you. It's a... It's a real mishmash of questions. There's nothing really specific on a theme. So we'll the start. knowledge will be tested. It's a real, real range of testers here, Kiz. But we'll start off with one that, depending on, on if seen the Premier League Twitter online today, that will depend on whether or not this is an easy question. Because February, Kiz, set a new record for goals per match with 3.8 goals per match across the month that was 158 goals in 42 games and that overtook which 2020 month oh, Jesus I don't have a Scooby um, it, it was reported today and that month is actually in three of the top five so it's the same month from 2016 2009 and then 2020 hmm. when are a lot of goals scored I'm going to try and think this through logically because I don't have a single clue. Mm. My thinking is when are the most games played? So I'm thinking Christmas period. So that leaves me November to de- to January, realistically. Okay. I when when I was thinking about it earlier, I did get it. I did went I went a slightly different route with when I thought a good chunk of games were played. I, I think that's a very minor clue for you. So, i.e., it's not the Christmas period. Is Maybe. What I'm hearing. Um, okay. Well, and 2020 as well. So and it doesn't necessarily have to be loads of games either, because it's goals yeah, per true, match. True. 
just a, a high collect, a concentrated, high scoring games, really. Mm. So, twenty twenty was COVID season. It was. So I can't remember when the season was paused. I was going to say you can immediately about, take out about yeah, I think four April, months. Though. It would have been around April to probably June-ish. So July, August. Hmm. All right. I'm thinking August or September. Which one you're locking in? Think about when that season maybe started, Kiz. Did it start in August? Did it start in September? I don't actually know. That's Ooh. the problem. I'm going to air on the side of caution oh. and go for September. Oh, okay. The correct answer was September yes. 2020. Because the That's season it. did start in the middle of September, Kiz, in 2020. Because in August, I think early August, you had the Champions League, that mini tournament format they had, which oh, I really yeah. enjoyed. And the season ended in July and then started back up in September. So yes, September at 3.7 was correct. And that was three of the top five were September, as I say, 2016 and 2009 were also September. So question number two, Keir's got one on the board there. Which manufacturer has the most teams under their sponsorship in the Premier League? So which manufacturer? Ooh. That's a toughie. Which manufacturer has the most teams? So yes, are they kit... are they on the front? Are they the main sponsor? Yes. On so, the kits? so just to give you an example of the most popular one, which may or may not be the answer, your Nikes, your Pumas, your Adidas, etc. Your your New Balance, your all all of those your your so big which... sports creators. Them. So which one has the most teams yeah. in the yes. front? Yeah, so which one has the most teams they've created the kits for? And right. those aren't all of the options. There's I don't even know how many different kits manufacturers so, there are in the Premier League. I think so. Liverpool, I think, are New Balance. City are Puma. Arsenal are Adidas. Villa are like Hummel. Spurs are Nike. United are Nike. Brighton, I'm not sure. West Ham. And this is of the current season. Current season. I'm leaning towards Adidas, if I'm being honest, but there's not necessarily too much logic in it. I'm just thinking through. They're the most that instantly spring to mind of the teams. So I think Arsenal, United, Adidas. I'm sure they're Adidas, aren't they? Arsenal, United. No, Chelsea are Nike now. Or maybe not then. Bear with me. I'm going to have to think through this. Okay, while you're thinking, I'll, I'll repeat the question again. Which kit manufacturer has the most teams under their creation in the Premier League. I feel like it's a lot more varied than it used to be. It is. You've got your your Pumas, your Hummels, your Ca- even that Castore, I think, do someone's kit as well. Um, there are eight different kit manufacturers. Hmm. So wide. Yeah, there are multiple teams with that are the only one with this kit manufacturer. With their kit manufacturer, I should say. Where you're leaning? What's your gut saying, kids? I'm leaning Nike, to be completely honest. But for me, it's either Nike or Adidas, which might be a cop out just because they're the two most well, yeah, well known. But I feel like it's got to be one of them two. Um, let me just have one quick run back through in my head. So Adidas, I'm sure you've got Arsenal, United. 
Follow my finger, Adidas. It's, uh, it's a tricky question. This is one of the tricky questions in here. The Nike you got. Of a bunch of tricky questions, I would Spurs, say. Chelsea. How much do you remember? Chelsea. You see them every week. Every week you see these kit manufacturers. You know what? I'm going to go Adidas just because I can count more off the top of my head. Okay. But could be wrong. Okay, I'm going to leave Adidas to the end. Yeah. But if you do your maths, you may you may find out whether you're right or wrong Okay. by the time we get there. Okay, Puma has won Man City. Macron has won Crystal Palace. Hummel has won Everton. Area has won Sheffield United. Castor has three. Aston Villa, Newcastle and Wolves. Nike have four. Brighton, Chelsea, Liverpool and Tottenham. Umbro have five. Really? Bournemouth, Brentford, Burnley, they love the bees, Luton and West Ham. Adidas have four. Wow. Arsenal, Fulham, Man United and Nottingham Forest. Umbro. You know what? I would have never said Umbro. So that's I was very surprised by Umbro. I, you know what? I, I didn't even think a single club had Umbro. So that's... Uh... Or five. Opened my eyes. Yeah, my, I I would said when I did this quiz myself earlier before I found the answer, I did also say Adidas. So if that gives you any solace, Kears, it shouldn't because that is a point off for yourself. It is one for one against. Now, the next one, I'll admit, is a bit of a stupid question, but I quite liked how stupid this quote was. <laughs> so which legendary player is this quote attributed to? I once cried because I had no shoes to play soccer. But one day, I met a man who had no feet. (laughs) (laughs) Is it Zidane, Pele, Bobby Zamora or Lionel Messi? If Zamora's bowling round <laughs> Queen's Park Rangers training ground and seeing geezers with no feet, I'm, I've lost the plot. Okay, I'm gonna. If, that's, if you're if you're even daring to throw me a Zamora quote, I'm I'm leaving this. Is he is he in there as a red a red herring or is he? I'm gonna give you the full question that's really again. That's really throwing cause... me off. I, I, yeah, can you repeat that? Zamora's, gonna... Zamora's okay. inclusion has absolutely thrown me. I'm gonna give you the full question again. So, who is this frankly ridiculous quote attributed to? I once cried because I had no shoes to play soccer. But one day, I met a man who had no feet. Is it Zidane, Pele, Bobby Zamora, or Lionel Messi? What's your gut saying, and why is it Bobby Zamora? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, You know what? For... My instant thought was Zidane, just because he's a bit of a mad bastard. And yeah. He's just... But then, it, like, I'd, uh, that's not a Messi quote for me. I can't yeah. see Messi coming out of that. Zamora. <laughs> Come Zamora, on, you know, you know, you know it's gonna, Bobby. You I'm know it's ignore, Bobby. I'm going to ignore Zamora because every time... I, <laughs> How the, dare you? Every time the thought of his face crosses my mind, it, it makes me forget what the question is. So I'm going to ignore Zamora for now. So was it Pele or Zidane? Um, that, yeah, they are the two, two other options that you said, yeah. You don't think Bobby Zamora was bowling around barking, seeing fellas with Bobby no Zamora. feet? <laughs> he probably was, to be fair, but he's probably just not not. It's very ableist of you, kids. Oh god! 
You You're know saying what? that Barkin has no people with. <laughs> with no feet. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of footless fellas in, in Barkin, but enough about that. I'm going to go to Dan because that was my gut. My instant thought was that's okay. as a Dan sort of shit that he'd come out with. Okay, the correct answer is Bobby Zamora. Fuck off, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> the correct answer. Is Zinedine Zidane? Oh, yes. <laughs> that that if, moment, that moment where you you kind of believed me was. If that turned out to be Zamora, oh. I genuinely would not be turning up for this next week. But what a ridiculous quote <laughs> from Big from Big Zizu himself. Whether I don't, I have found zero proof that he actually said it. Did he just offer up that information? But, like he's in a random press conference. I was going to say, there's no proof that he said no that fit. quote. There's no proof he said it, but it is attributed to him all over the internet. I believe it. That's why I said attributed to him rather than he said it. Because there's no proof he said it, but it's a ridiculous quote. So we've, we've gone with it. <laughs> I can believe it. Okay. D- d- by the way, you said you'd done this quiz earlier. Was Zamora one of the options or did you, did oh, no, you add him I, in personally? I created this quiz. So for the first two, I didn't know the answers. Oh. Um, but that one, I, I did know the answer. I was so looking you're up, fully taking I was looking up football quotes. Yeah, yeah, oh no, yeah. I put, I was, I was thinking, who are four legendary footballers or three? Because I knew the correct answer, and I was like, well, it's got to be Barkin's finest. <laughs> when the ball hits your head and you've got no feet in Rosette, ask Samora. Okay, two one. You've got to get one out of the next two kids. Pressure's on. Okay, question number four. Who is the odd one out? And why of this next five? So the, the one point is who they are and why they're the odd one out. Just to avoid you picking one at random. Okay, you've got Paul Pogba, Gerard Piquet, Radamel Falcao, Aaron Ramsey, and Ben Foster. Who of those five is the odd one out and why are they the odd one out? Paul Pogba, Gerard Piquet, Ramadal, Falcao, Aaron Ramsey, Ben Foster. Something links four of those players. Ah, I know it. Ramsey. Why? Foster's played for Man United. Falcao's played for Man United. Piquet's played for Man United. Pogba's played for Man United. The correct answer is Aaron Ramsey yes. because the rest all played for Manchester United. Come on. Piquet played 2004 to 2008. Falcao played for just the 14-15 season. Ben Foster was 2005-2010 and Paul Pogba 11-12 came back in 2016 until 2022. Well done there, kids. Weirdly, uh, Ben Foster is what sort of sparked the answer in my head. Really? He... I was just... Yeah, I don't know why, but uh, I was just thinking that he's played for United and then yeah. Pogba is an obvious one, and the, then PK is obviously the kind of unknown one. That's, that people, yeah, P- PK was the people always bring it up. I I no. didn't know until I saw it earlier. PK was the one for was the one for me where I was like, that's the under the radar one. Yeah. Pogba's the obvious one. Falcao's the sort of oh yeah, yeah of course he did. He was there for a season. Yeah, and then Foster is sort of he his could be all sorts of reasons. Yeah, <laughs> and Aaron Ramsey's in there because he was linked when he went from Cardiff to Arsenal. Yeah. He was linked to Man United. So that was my little reasoning for throwing him in there. 
I there you go. Would you like the, the last question there for a bit of fun, kids? We may as well. We See if you can fully well. embarrass my supposedly difficult quiz. Okay, I'm going to give you a player's path, and you've got to tell me who that player was. So, Atletico Madrid, to Liverpool, to Chelsea, to AC Milan on loan, and then permanently to AC Milan, to Atletico Madrid on loan, permanently to Atletico Madrid, to Sargon Tosu, and then retired. Immediate thought was Fernando Torres, but let me think it through. Okay. Atletico Madrid, Chelsea, which would make... No. No, 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 wait. Atletico Madrid, to Liverpool, to to Chelsea, AC Milan, loan them permanent, Atletico Madrid, loan them permanent, Sargon Tosu, then retired. Okay. Well, the Atletico to Liverpool thing makes sense. Liverpool to Chelsea makes sense. But then after that, I don't really know too much, but presumably... The AC Milan one's what's thrown me off because I don't remember Torres at AC Milan, but I'm thinking how many players have gone from Liverpool to Chelsea? I don't feel like it's that many. Let me try and have a little think. Give me give me a minute. Joe Cole went the other way, if that helps you. Yeah, it doesn't help me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he ever played for Atletico Madrid either, but you know, yeah. what can you do? Uh, it's AC Milan that's thrown me. Atletico to Liverpool. Who's who else might have gone from Atletico to Liverpool? Torres is the. I'm I'm going to go Torres. I think I'll, I'll I'm an R over this and not come up with any other answers. I'll go initial thoughts. Fernando Torres. The correct answer is Fernando Torres. Yes. I was surprised about the. I don't. I thought you went Chelsea to Atletico, but apparently not. I don't yeah, AC Milan's that. what threw me off there. Yeah, I don't, I don't recall that spell at all. Yeah. Well, on there, kids. That was an excellent. Performance from yourself, proper ball knowledge from you. I was I switched on today. It's not a, it's not a very often occasion, but when it happens, it happens well. Yeah, there was absolutely no tension there at all. You smashed through it. Four out of five. A good showing. It's not always a good showing, so no, you got to celebrate the small wins. That's there. a point on the board for yourself. That's two one, and we'll we'll round off this little second half game special, kids, with the return, the much long awaited return of. Who's that? Who's that? Who are ya? Who are ya? Who are? Who the hell do you think you are? Okay, do you want to? Do you want to hit us first, kids? I can do. I can do. I always um, struggle with these. I like to. There's a real reason I'm quizmaster because it turns out my ball knowledge is horrific. But <laughs> I'm glad you said it. Ten, ten nil Arsenal. If that comes in, that dispels all myths. Your ball knowledge is elite. We're getting it framed if that happens. But oh, the more. The more time goes on, the more terrified I am of that game. I don't like. I don't like that I put that in the atmosphere. Oh, we'll, we'll see. We'll anyway, see. that aside, kids, let's let's start you off. Right. Have a look on the. Oh, we should really say what who's that is for the new listener. So who's that? Myself, I'm going to pick a player. We're going through their Wikipedia and just throwing out facts, and see who can name their player the quickest. Yeah. So right. So I'm going to start off with. A bit of background as the first clue and okay. see see where we get that. So this player is from Belgium. Okay. Um, started off with Genk in his early careers, then moving to Standard Liège, had a couple of loan spells and then ended up back at Genk. And 
goal record. So first two years at Genk, this is senior career. He scored one goal in 10 appearances, moved to standard Liège, had 18, uh, three goals in 18 appearances. Is this all fact one? This is all fact one, just because I feel like okay. none of it makes it immediately obvious and I don't okay. want to be too harsh and give you Let's... like a loan to Corkridge yeah. as a separate bloody um, clue. But yeah, goals. So on loan, scored 14 and 34, six in 18 games, and then back to Genk where he scored 19 goals in 37 games. Well, let's start off purely on the Belgian front. Let's go for Kevin De Bruyne. It is not Kevin De Bruyne. Okay. So moving on to the next bit then. He moved into the Premier League. So this is where it might become a bit clearer. And this is just going to be a singular clue. He moved from Genk to Aston Villa where he spent three years from 2012 to 2015, scoring 42 goals in 89 games. I feel like that should have made it really obvious. Aston, I'm trying to think of Belgian players that played for Aston Villa. Have a think. Well, go. I, I'm questioning myself now. About Lukaku? It's not Lukaku. So, next I can't, clue. I can't remember if he played for, for Villa or not. I don't think he did. He's... West Brom, Everton, Chelsea, United, I think, were his oh, English okay. clubs. Yeah, West but Brom, bad, yeah. I guess, based West on Brom's the right, yeah. nationality and goal record. So, next up, he moved from Aston Villa to Liverpool. Okay. Where he spent just a single season I think and scored I... nine goals in 29 games. Okay. I think I got it when it weren't Lukaku. Is it Christian Benteke? It is Christian Benteke. Okay, that's three. Surprisingly, he still plays. He plays for DC United in the MLS. Does he? I didn't know that. I thought he retired a while ago. He's only 33, though. No, he's... Ben Teke's 33. Yeah, he's only 33. Bloody hell. Like, I definitely, definitely would have put him as, like, over 35. 100%. Definitely. There you go. There we go. Okay, first up on my side now. So it's three to beat, kids. Yeah. We've got a Swede. They were born in Sandviken, Sweden, in 1982, and they retired in 2017. I'm going to give you the leagues they played in. Okay. They played in the Swedish leagues. My apologies for not knowing what that's called. They played in Liga. They played in the Russian league, and they played in the Premier League. Played in the Prem as well. They played in the Prem as well. S- Swedish retired. What year? 2017. Yep. Right. Um, okay, so Swedish League, Liga and Russian Prem, retired 2017. I'm going to go with a player just based on who I think is the sort of player you might pick. So I'm going Kim Casper. I knew you were going to get it right! <laughs> is that ah! it? <laughs> I knew you were going to get it right! Oh, you bastard! Oh, that's brilliant. I'm oh, too easily read! Too well. I know you too well, mate. It's just <laughs> Swedish, it's got to be Kimmy <laughs> As soon as oh. as soon as I said Swedish, there was only one man it was gonna be, it wasn't was one it? One man. Because it was recently retired, and as soon as you said Prem, I was like, it's con, <laughs> it's Kimmy Kalski. <Kalsman." laughs> oh, oh, the, the other facts I got in there was like he went on loan in twenty fourteen but only played four games. He won the FA Cup, he scored a winning penalty, <laughs> he broke his back. <laughs> He's got thirty seven <laughs> league goals in two hundred and eighty two games in League Or. Not awful. 16 you know and 131 funny? for Sweden. 
If any other person was reading the facts, I wouldn't have got Kim Carlstrom in a million years. <laughs> Definitely not just based on that initial <laughs> intro, but as it was... No, it was as soon as, as, soon as he, he played in the Russian League, it's Kim. Oh, it's Kim all day long. <laughs> oh, dear. What a bloody mare that is. I've had a stormer this week. That's 3-1 up there, kids. I've got a, a mountain to climb. Lucky I'm leading in the predictions at the moment, but... You're on your way to another curdled Bailey's point. Oh, fantastic. Well, where are you getting Bailey's from in the middle of May? Tesco. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, boss. Okay. I think that's all for this week there, kids. A terrible display from myself on the games this week. Some excellent both ball knowledge and Connor knowledge from yourself. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining me, kids. Pleasure as always. Thank you, everyone else, for listening. This, as always, has been the number one podcast for Kim Kalstrom fans and those that can only count to three. Thank you very much for listening. Have a good one. Goodbye. When the moon hits your eye Like a bigger pizza pie That's amore When the world seems to shine Like you've had too much wine That's amore Bells will ring, tingle-ling-a-ling, tingle-ling-a-ling, and you'll sing Vita Bella. Hearts will play tippy-tippy-tay, tippy-tippy-tay, like a guitar and bella.